I was doing something really decadent a minute ago, and it's really weird at the best of times, but I'm going to tell you about it whilst it's in my mind. I was sometimes on my phone, instead of playing Angry Birds, I've got like a few minutes. Sometimes I go to YouTube because I used to play Grand Theft Auto a lot, but I didn't play it properly. I just stole cars and killed people. And I used to like, you know, jumping off really tall things. And so sometimes on YouTube, I just put on for like a few minutes, like just, there's just stuff of people falling off mountains. And, you know, it's like the pixelated people. It looks like a cartoon and they fall off massive skyscrapers and stuff. And sometimes I just do that. And today, because Marta was using the computer, I was charging my phone and I just had a moment. Oh, dude, I've got to say to you, I wasn't even charging my phone. I was like on Instagram and playing Angry Birds. And on the big TV, I had the, on YouTube, on the TV here, you can put, you can get YouTube. So I just typed in uh, like Grand Theft Auto on this big screen, which is even more psychotic, like watching this, like just like, like a real Norman Bates alone, like a, a Ted Bundy being like, I like it when the fake people fall and die. I wish they were real. And I'm doing this, but the bigger the screen, the more insane I am until I'm like kind of Wilson Fisk or something with this massive screen. And I'm just like, Fool for me, pretty dolls. It's like a Black Mirror type thing. It's definitely a bit. Thank God I don't have a holodeck. <laughs> I, I mean, Sheppy, I there's so much to unpick there, man. I didn't even know you played Angry Birds. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very good at Angry Birds. I like the yellow. <laughs> that makes me happy. I think I've only had a couple of cracks at Angry Birds. I have to have another go. Oh, it's where you catapult them through the air, isn't it? And like, yeah, yeah, and you have to hit these yeah. green pigs. And the pigs are so smug and, um, and happy, and they rub it in your face when you don't get a level. But um, no, it's good. I like it. It's fun. But we're not here to advertise Angry Birds. By the way, Hungry Shark was on my previous phone. So I've got a thing about animals. Um, and this one was Hungry Shark, and he was cool. And the more you ate, the bigger you got. And in the end, I was like a, a megalodon. I played it for like a year non-stop on trams and things so I became just this mega it was amazing so that's nice yeah yeah uh, phone games I missed a phone game yeah I don't have many but I've got I've got it where it counts I like it Sheppy I'm uh I'm looking forward to our spin-off pod <laughs> I'm, I'm, out, I'm outside today which shouldn't account for tweets but it's, fuck, uh, it's midgy at the moment here I'm getting like right. a feel of bites but that's oh, good because a lot of it's my app is going to be here. in the jungle by the way so spoiler oh, alert oh, oh amazing well, well, I'm loving that um, well before we dive in there it is the opposite of midge here I saw a wasp the other day who was inches from death it's like all these really annoying burrs that exist in the grass outside here where we can run around or we run around where, where a cow runs around and I stand there throwing things and but they get attached to his skin. Oh no, you know, it's his big fur and it's horrible. And now they're all withering and dying. Like Superman's pod when he's a baby and it comes into earth and all the oh, little yeah. crystal bits all get withered. It's like that now. So I'm like, fuck you, man. And it's very nice, and all the insects are dying. So I'm very happy. I mean, I have lots of ladybirds, but they're, they're, I like ladybirds, but all the little midges and the little cunty mosquitoes, their history and the cleshed, they're dying out. And those are the little flea things that just balloon when they drink dog blood. They're disgusting. It's so horrible. But yeah, they're out of here. So huzzah, I say. Bad luck to you. 
but that's the way the cookie crumbles. That's the way the world literally turns. <laughs> <laughs> so You're going to be all so fired today, Shippy. I love it. So what a lovely little detail that was from Donna as well on Superman's little pod as well. I love that. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah, well, that's, that's nice. special. Um, hey, look, you weren't wrong, though. I was taking it for granted that you were right, but I will show you. I do have two tea bags. Nice show. Is that just standard fee now, the two bags? You can't yeah. go back. Well, yeah. uh, honestly, the bags here, for whatever reason, they're not as strong. These are um, Lipton intense, quote-unquote, um, coffee, and I still double up because, yeah, for whatever reason, it's not as strong. And I even buy, like, sometimes if I splurge, I would buy Twining's English, you know, black tea, um, and it's still not as strong, I swear, from, like, the local Tesco's down Hackney way. So, <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I do double bag. <laughs> And I'm not afraid who knows it. Technically, it's quadruple bagging if we assume that intense is double, although it probably isn't. It's probably like an extra 20% if you're lucky. Nonetheless, yeah. So in Poland, I don't drink black tea or, of course, white tea very often. I drink lots of like fruity teas or coffee. But on an occasion like this, where frankly, it's too late for delicate Benushka uh, to drink coffee, and so, uh, but a tea. Yeah, it's just the ticket. And also, it sort of ups my English level by about three points. So it's good. <laughs> How are you, Jimmy? <laughs> we didn't even have like a, an introduction, like, hi. How's <laughs> It's good, man. It's good. It's good. Delicate Benushka. I'm going to make you pay for that one day. <laughs> well, that's all right. It's all out. It's all out. <laughs> it's fine. So I'm excited. I'm very excited to be here today. Uh, so that's nice, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. Hello, welcome to the Giants. I'm Jimmy. Hello, I'm Sheppy. <laughs> what I like is that you never know, or that I never know, at what point the listener will be able to hear like the faded conversation. So it's like, is it going to be the second hello? Is it going to be the first hello? How many hellos before the flow? And then am I doing like eight hellos? It's well awkward because it's usually all of them. So that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, we're the line of Richies of podcasting, Sheppy, and I'm very happy Crikey. about it. Well, that's all I've ever dreamed of. So that's valid. <laughs> or Stevie Wonder in a pinch. Um, Jimmy. <laughs> Here we are, Shoulders of Giants in it. What's this uh, podcast about? Sheppy, we are the What If podcast for uh, movies and TV, coming up with uh, different scenarios, alternate universes, spin-offs, sequels, prequels, all in celebration of things we, we love and appreciate and respect and then devalue and... Yeah. <laughs> and decimate, like a true sequel should, absolutely. We're only in it for the cold, hard cash <laughs> so yeah no absolutely love it um today's a special one it is um, you said it Sheppy. you should probably give us what what the challenge was well the challenge my friend was uh connected to an arnold schwarzenegger film uh or schwarzenegger if you will and this is the second schwarzenegger joint that we're handling and i'm aware that i selected the previous arnie um pod as well uh, and I, you know, I guess that shouldn't be too much of a surprise because I am an Arnie face. This one's interesting. And I'm going to do a quick shout out to uh, listener Robin the Pob Potter, 
because he suggested this and I will I had already written actually the blueprints but he still suggested it so good minds think similar I think is the exact phrase there so what <laughs> I've done Jimbo is I have selected for us today a prequel television series to the 1985 Arnold Schwarzenegger film Commando wonderful Sheppy I knew I knew he'd be back Arnie I knew well, he'd be back. well I don't get that it's simply a mystery to me what you're talking about, so fair enough. <laughs> but cutting to it, um, thank you, Jimbo. Um, well, I'm very excited, Sheps. I, I've gone very, uh, weirdly, I went, lots of silliness in mind, you won't be surprised to hear. And uh, But um, I've gone very structural and given you kind of pilot, but what's going to happen to the whole show? <laughs> And, and, uh, and, you know, it's quite high level, but um, I've given some good sprinkles. But I'm assuming that you would have some really cool fighty battle coolness and all the rest (laughs) of it and really go into the pilot. I've kind of maybe we actually might have our first pod where we could lift most of your pilot and then kind of do what I do with the whole show. If you know what I mean, maybe. But we'll see. Well, I love um, it. We'll see how measurable we are. That's exciting, because <laughs> usually they're not measurable one bit. Um, no. <laughs> I, but, but nonetheless, I'm very excited. Um, that's great. In terms of that, I can't wait to hear and all of it. In the meantime, we should probably talk about the original movie, Commando, Arnold Schwarzenegger, 1985, and our uh, as you know relationship to it as friends in our encounters with it in the past. Uh, do you have any thoughts specifically have, about Commando? Well, now that we're hitting our stride, Sheppy, and, you know, we know broadly our structure to this pod. <laughs> I mean, I say structure in the loosest possible sense. That's a but weird I, thing to say. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I've put four bullet points down to tell you on the pod, so should I just give you the four bullets quickly? Oh, so um, bullet points, <laughs> So even before I get to you in my life, Sheppy, I remember my old buddy Eddie from Tooting in London when I was a, a wee lad um, having the Commando and Cobra posters in his bedroom. And I just oh, I just remember both of those posters being quite mythical to me. Like they just sort of had this sort of aura around them as movies. I mean, it's all sort of bundled into that myth of 18s as well when you're growing up, I think, Sheppy, as well, oh, and sure. that, what that might mean. And um, But we'll, we'll just put it up now. The other three bullets I had were... May I, I definitely... say, before I forget, um, just about posters, I had that for the Highlander poster, um, seeing that in the video shop. Um, that, it wasn't even the poster, it was like the video cover, but same difference. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to shout out. If my remembrance... Remembrance? The Highlander poster is the fella... It's not even Highlander, is it, at the front? He's it is. Of, it's, it's, it is well, it's both. It's, it's Highlander, but you don't really see his face. He's like, he's got his head tilted back. Yeah, that was it, yeah, yeah. And you in, in some of the posters, you could sort of see the Kirby's big face in the background, so you've got the baddie as well. And there is this really shitty one of just standing up a mountain looking forlorn because it's Lambert in it. But, yeah, it's him with his head back getting the quickening and holding his sword, and it's like Highlander. There can be only flat. <laughs> and as it turned out i then went on you know years later to love highlander so it's nice how that all works out freddy um you know post you know pictures of uh, freddy krueger that was one of the you know i'm sure everyone has this like you were saying about these posters and images from childhood they do take on a mythical quality and i'm sure you know everyone has well, a lot of people have that sort of connection to certain random films like oh man robot jocks it got in my head 
And uh, I, yeah, I like it. How old were we watching this? So this is second bullet point. Like how old were we watched it with you, Shep? Because I remember being young. I remember already tittering at it, I've put here, like and just having a laugh with it and being so well, desensitized to the violence, even then. Yeah. Like, you well, know. I'll say about the violence, it's it's extreme, but it's very, very cartoony. It's only yeah. one step up from Bond, really. It's more of it, and there's blood. In the longer version, you know, like two second longer version, you see Arnie chop off a guy's arm with a machete, and that wasn't on the version that I had growing up. Um, but that's nice. There was apparently an even longer version where he chops the guy off the uh, the guy's arm off with a machete, and then he slaps the guy round the face with his own arm hand. If you know what I'm talking about, uh, so that that's amazing. But I've never seen that, so I, that might just be mythical. But in terms of the violence, Jimmy, it was so cartoony. Uh, I'm not surprised it didn't affect us. Whereas Robocop, you know, that freaked me out. I watched that a little bit too young, and it did freak me out. Not the level of violence, but the sort of the unrepentant nastiness of it all. Um, but there's no unrepentant nastiness in Commando. It's pure joy. So that's saving grace as well. I remember it being already, you know, like we said, a bit yeah. comedic, a bit sort of, you know. Well, um, had just so, so I'm clear, did you watch Commando pre-us watching Commando? No, it was in your lounge. It was the first time. It was yeah. the first time. That makes me feel so happy and it's so sexual and dirty. So it's like really inappropriate. But I'm just like, <laughs> ah, yes, we were the first with each other, which I find romantic. I don't care what they say. <laughs> so, yeah, because I believe it must have been my first time too, I guess. Uh, but... We were, um, well, let me put it this way, Jimbo. I was definitely 11. You were 10. Uh, so it was that window because I got Commando for my 11th birthday. And as everyone knows, I'm two months and three days before yours. So it's like, so it's safe to say you were 10. And I received it from my dad. And it was like, oh my God, that's a, uh, that, that's commando 11th birthday that's a dad who knows his onions you know so i was like right <laughs> so um that made me very happy and so we would have watched it up now we didn't watch it on my 11th birthday because on my 11th birthday as everyone else knows we watched ruskies uh which was unfortunate it was meant to be top secret but the guy at the video shop recommended ruskies to my mother because top secret was at 15 and it was our 11th my 11th birthday so we got Ruskies, and we're never doing Ruskies too, Jimbo. On no. this, we're never doing Ruskies too. Rusky. <laughs> so let's just unpick a couple of awesome things there. One, so your mum denies you a 15 on your birthday. Yes. And, and I then your dad gives you an 18 on your birthday. I love <laughs> well, the I dad of it. I have never even <laughs> made that amazing connection. You're so right. It's so right. Then, it's Ian taking us to see License to Kill. All it over. really is. And then... The other thing, if I'm remembering correctly, Sheppy, because I remember your dad coming mid-Ruskies to give you commando on video, if I'm remembering right, and I think it was a double-hander with some Garfield slippers that were like real cat feet, if I'm remembering correctly, and they were. Wow, dude. I was as jealous of them as I was of the video. There's no two ways about it. Well, I should it. hope so. That's really good memory then, because, yeah, I mean, they weren't. I had two massive pairs of uh, slippers in my time. One were Garfield, and they weren't feet. They were like just Garfield. Both of them, each slipper was Garfield's body. So I was stepping inside his body yeah, through his back, those are the which ones. is weird. 
and with the face white so i had those a few years later i upped the ante and i got feet like they were like monster feet they were like huge claws and they were really hairy and ginormous and even bigger than the velvet ones so yeah i did bigger and better i did sequel time it was like the police academy series so um that's great so i got so i got the garfield slippers and i got commando on my 11th birthday whilst watching ruskies but knowing that i had commando that's amazing that's made yeah. me feel all warm inside i'm really happy so let me get to that the other two points and then we can get to your points with the point. yeah right so, um, yeah. so the the things i, I haven't rewatched, but i did rewatch okay. the trailer and just nice. to kind of get the vibes and the, the thing again. They, and it's then, one of those rare trailers that use, it's a hang on wannabe, it uses the printed tagline as also the voiceover. Which is, let's not forget, it's also the, the theme tune at the end of the film, oh. which is it's amazing. It's its own thing. You would have seen that written down on Eddie from Tooting's poster if you weren't too busy staring at Arnie's jugs. <laughs> he uh I, I, it's got i've got the two favorite 80s tropes that um or two of my favorite 80s tropes that are in the movie but one of them really comes out in the trailer which they redo which is his you know his whole you know getting ready for battle uh montage with the clicking of clips into oh you place must and, know how you know, special that sequence yeah. is to me that <laughs> i'm famous in my house for that sequence because i know how much i loved it yeah have you my watched it recently yeah, because yeah. it's at the when you actually watch it with with you know older eyes, it actually has like a set of binoculars over the top of everything that are way too big and are really going to get in the way of like trying to get some of the weapons. And he's really running around, stupid. and all these hand grenades are jiggling around on his like bandolero <laughs> thing. They're just one of them's going to pop off his nipple or something and blow his foot off. Yeah. So it's yeah, he's he's a walking disaster, uh, that, and it's the same mansion at the end as the end, I believe, of uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Um, I oh, think amazing. it's the same garden. I think it's shot. Um, when when was the last time you saw Commander? Oh, Shep's gods! Like it would have been when I was at uni, sort of thing, you know. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, at least twenty years. But one of the things I remember loving about that rewatch of it was just, the, and this is the final point for me, was just the ending is amazing. Where he arrives at the compound and then just immediately starts blowing up buildings without having any idea where his daughter might be. Like, I mean, he could just, <laughs> yeah, she could, could be, be anywhere. anywhere. <laughs> she just starts blowing everything up. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, you might as well just, like, you know, uh, drop a nuke and then be, like, <laughs> sifting through the wreckage. Jenny, where are you? Um, <laughs> fair enough. I will say, you asked me if I've seen it recently. I really have. I've seen Commando probably, I'm going to say, the most out of any Arnie film. I don't know if that means anything, but um, but more than that, no, it's, it's my, I've been listening to various podcasts where they ask people, like, what's your comfort film? And mine is really Commando. Um, and I don't know whether it comes back to the GTA thing, but this sort of mindless, but cartoon violence, and the quips, it's very Roger Moore, and it's Arnie, and it's pure 80s peak Arnie, it's golden era Arnie, you know? And it's like Arnie being pure Arnie without even the trace of like 90s slight irony or even twins flipping it. It's just him. It's everything that everything else is like bouncing off 
all the impressions and everything and coming from Terminator and this even more than early, you know, from like Conan or something. And so it's, it's, it's prime classic Arnie. Um, and as a film, you know, there's Red Heat, there's Running Man, there's Raw Deal from this sort of ilk. Predator and Terminator are like a sort of a step up. They're sort of their own category because the quality is, is a real film. But Commando, out of all of the others, um, is just really, really enjoyable. And it's tight. It's so tight. And each scene just leaps into the next, moving forward. And it's very charming. And I really like it. Uh, and so, yeah, so I've, I've seen Commando quite a lot. I didn't watch it for this because I think I genuinely saw it less than a year ago. Nice, chefs. <laughs> yeah. And it all started that time in Cranley, you and me, let's say probably the 15th of October. Um, and, and we, <laughs> right and after the Right, yeah, no, a couple of days later. I think it was my actual birthday and it was, so yeah, it was like a Thursday or something, so it would have been that weekend, surely. So yeah, that's amazing. And also at the beginning of that video, it had a, a like a trailer for other CBS Fox like releases and it had this sort of montage and it was Patton with George C. Scott and it was um, it was Commando. You still saw Commando because you know this same trailer would have been in all of these releases. It was Sound of Music. That. It was Short Circuit and it had the music uh, from like There's No Business Mag Show Business from the from the classic running all the way through it and it has Arnie going doing the chonk chonk chink chonk and you know commandoing it up and it had all this it's like beautiful Stephanie and then it ends with like um from the hustler and it's Paul Newman and he's he says like something like fifty thousand dollars I'm gonna make fifty thousand dollars in one night and then it's Julie Andrews spinning and the camera pulling out from Sound of Music um, and then it's like da, 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 and it's like CBS Fox and that is etched into my memory forever that's deep I don't remember the Garfield slippers on that occasion, but that's, I, mean, I know that trailer so well, and it's so good. Does, um, does the trailer itself, Sheppy, also have like a bit of all the right moves as well in it? Yes, how are we going to do it? Together. together. How are we going to yeah. do it? Together. Yes, you're so right. It's just before Johnny Five, I'm pretty sure. And bearing yeah. in mind, I've seen Commando recently, but that video I haven't watched. I mean, you know, honestly, it was this century. It wasn't in the age of video. I had a video till well into like 2008. So it would have been around that sort of time. Because I didn't get Commando on DVD. I don't think ever. Because I just always had this, this video that never died. And I'd watched this, this trailer a lot. So yeah, good old. <laughs> um, do you have other sprinkles that you want to say about Commando before we well, launch? I'm aware that I've sort of jumped in on you a little bit. Um, no, I'm so done, anything else? Yeah, I'm done. I'm nice. Mine. So, all right, well, let me just say, Ben, you know, just to reiterate, uh, out of all the Arnies, I love a bit of Arnie anyway. Um, I don't, you know, um, out of, you know, Terminator, Terminator 2, Predator, Total Recall, True Lies are all like real quality shit, and those are great. But I'm definitely putting Commando in the mix. And if I had to be really, really strict with myself, it would probably be number three. Not that it's better than any of the other ones I just mentioned, but on a personal level, it's like it's like having Octopussy. If I could only have three Bond films for the rest of my life, one of them would have to be Octopussy. There's no question. So I would be sacrificing Goldfinger for Octopussy. It's ludicrous. <laughs> but so anyway, that's so that's just to say again, yeah. So Commando's a little bit special. 
Um, <clears throat> so I like that for that reason as well. Nice chefs. I think it, it holds a special place, not quite as special, I think, in the way that you're talking about it in the Arnie Cannon. It edges Running Man, but it's in there. Like, do you know what I mean? For me, yeah. it's that sort of yeah, definitely the best of that type, like you say. Right. Probably... What, I, what I will call the golden era. That's that. Yeah. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Mid 80s. <laughs> I, re- I seem to remember both of our mums having a bit of a crush on Arnie as well. Oh, well, I don't know. Day. Oh, really? Oh, I, I do hope not. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I've made my peace with Van Damme and Spike from Buffy, but I don't know. Spike. I don't know about the Arnie. Oh, don't get me started. It's cheekbones, I swear to God. But in this case, I, I don't know. Uh, Arnie, especially this era, Arnie has been, I think it was Steve Wright who described it as like a condom stuffed with walnuts, and it's not wrong. Uh, so, I don't know. Yeah. And he's got such a weird face. I do understand uh, You know, a lot of people find him very attractive at that time, but he's got such a weird face, and he's so weird. He's so weird looking. Oh, weird stuff. So, no. <laughs> I do hope well, only. Chris Pratt and not the California people have to deal with him now, Sheppy. It's just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, good old Arnie, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. Oh, do you, chefs. by the way, out of interest, um, do you yeah. have top three, no particular order, Barry Norman, Arnie Phelps? Oh, uh, look. <clears throat> you won't be held th- accountable in court. Thanks, man. I reckon, um, you know what, might because I think in Arnie terms, you just have to... Um, go on the fact that you know it's probably for the fun rather than really trying to take them seriously true lies is great and i know it's high quality but it's not i think commando beats it for me and i'm going to throw commando in top three because i've sort of had a newfound fun and appreciation of it and i love it when we watch everything i'm going to go t2 commando and kindergarten cop as being three that i just really love in terms of the experience of watching them and they've got a place in my heart now that's probably open to a lot of like you know terminator is oh, a better movie nice. than a lot of them and you know bloody whatever but uh, fine doesn't well, all matter three of those we saw together for the first time so yeah, that's man. what we're magically saying as well absolutely and uh, kindergarten and uh, t2 at the cinema of course yeah <laughs> When we T two will be for another day, I'm sure, because we'll probably have to dip into the Terminator universe, you and I. But everyone else lose... has. <laughs> yeah. We did lose that French exchange student or German exchange student or something. French, French. French. Yeah. <laughs> Staying with you, uh, left us halfway through the screening, and we just let him go. It was too good to. <laughs> he was hanging around the foyer when we came out. It's weird. I, I mean, never, of course we'd let him go. I'm not going to chase after him if he doesn't want to watch the second half of Terminator 2. Very strange. Do you think, just as a quick... I've never even thought about this, Sheppy, until just now, but do you think that whole thing around us being a bit desensitised, like, was it too much for him? Was that what it was? And, like, you and I well, were like, T2. whatever, man. Yeah, and then... But he was oh, like, whoa, this is a bit Maybe he got as far as Xander Berkeley getting the milk carton sword <laughs> out. And, and he said, this is, as you say, not very nice. And then he and then he went off. Uh, wow, yeah, maybe, maybe never occurred to me. There you go, Jim. I love the idea of that poor guy. You know how when you do your your sort of uh, forgive the expression here, shall we? But the oral exam for your French thing, like you, you know, read a GCSE or whatever, and they yeah. come to to him and they say. You know, what did you do in your summer holidays? And he has to say in English, <laughs> yes, I went to my friend Ben's and we went to the cinema and then we. And then in mid-exam, he goes, oh, come on. 
Camera <laughs> goes into his eye, you see hell. Yeah. <laughs> Poor old Edward. Well, you know, we took him to see the Rocketeer as well, so what can you do? We tried our best. <laughs> okay, Sheps, we should get to it. We've probably got a lot to do, haven't we? So. Uh, I, you're, you're so right. I think it was worth the rambles because there's a lot of goodness there connected to this. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, and as you could imagine, I've, yeah, I have gone off on one, so I'm, I'll, I'll jump in. But do interject if you have any questions or comments or so on. Absolutely. Um, I cheated a bit, actually, because I, I haven't locked down. The universe is kind of fluid in terms of how exactly it fits in. Because, um, okay, so this is a prequel TV show to Commando. Commando is 1985. So it's like, did Commando come out at the cinema and it was really successful. And in this universe, Arnie was just signed this weird contract or whatever. He was paid weird money or he didn't have anything else to do. So he just did this prequel TV show. And then it's like, okay. And then does that lead into Commando? Does, you know, is, it, is it like the X-Files where it's like in between seasons is the film? Or is it that the show came first and was successful and then they made a film of it? You know, like, oh, it's sort of set again, exactly like X-Files between so i haven't made up my mind so therefore i don't think it's going to be apparent but there are probably little things of logic that don't make sense when i talk about like i've got the vague map of the seasons and obviously i've gone into more detail in the, in the first season um and then it sort of gets less and less and i just sort of get broader strokes um but i'm basically saying this is a prequel to the sh to, the, to the film uh, obviously it's made in the 80s. I'm saying it just looks, for however it's possible, Arnie looks like John Matrix in all of this. It just looks like him. I don't know what career Arnie had in this universe outside of doing these Commando TV show. Maybe he did like Running Man between seasons, you know? Uh, I don't know if he did The Terminator. Possibly not. It was Lance Henriksen. And, he, and he's not doing Conan. Um, so he's like, all right, um, the Commando is my life. Um, so who knows? But in any case, it's, it's, it's Arnie um, is really what I'm, I'm getting at here. Um, the TV show, the title, I, I wasn't sure. I was thinking, oh, God, do I go obvious and be like Commandos or, you know, so I, I wasn't sure. It's like, I, I, in the end, I was like, you know, John Matrix colon Commando or Commando colon Matrix and do the Maverick maneuver. Um, or just go off on one and call it like gunfire or something, or commando squad was another one I thought about. But in the end, I literally just went with commando. And it's one of those really shit 80s things that's probably like commando colon the TV series. <laughs> it's like really <laughs> a bit shit, but that's okay. Um, the each season um, is like, I'm going to say 10 episodes at 45 minutes a pop, uh, but the pilot is an hour. And as you might imagine, the tone of the show is probably not as silly as you might think I went, but um, it's pure action bang bang um, and A-team and also really violent, even though it's TV in the 80s, but it, it just does because in, in this universe it can. So it's just really violent as well. Um, and also, go, but it goes deep into like espionage and secrets and shifting alliance, allegiances and Cold War double and triple agents and a lot more spy craft and brain work than you might expect. John Matrix, as portrayed in Commando, he's not just mindless at all, the opposite. He's a thinker and a strategist 
He's not just muscles and guns. So it leans into that a lot as well. It gives Arnie a lot to do. Um, more involved plots intertwine themselves around like sort of large, fun and bloody action set pieces all over, you know, it's got like a tone of high adventure and quips and very much, you know, like, like Commando. Um, so, so season one um, pilot, um, I'll just go straight in. It's pre-cred. We open on a smoking city uh, in battle. Uh, the title card comes up, uh, Baghdad, 1978. A city in turmoil, a compound and stronghold deep in the city with paramilitary troops scattered everywhere. A small group of commandos are infiltrating the compound uh, in the cover of night and so forth. And an A-team meets Return of the Jedi sort of way. We introduce each member of the team one by one. Uh, there's a hostage situation going on as well as a ticking countdown bomb. Uh, yes, two tropes right out of the gate. Uh, the bomb <laughs> will destroy the compound, killing all of the hostages, uh, as well as many innocent lives in the nearby city. Nice, Sheppy. <laughs> Sorry for the delay. I'm happy. I'm happy with my two for one tropes. I'm happy with the that danger. Wasn't, <laughs> the stakes that are wasn't high. me waiting for applause. I want to point out. <laughs> 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 that would be awkward but no thank you that that's the, yeah yeah good stuff um for some reason i've called the group of commandos a pache uh, apache team but um i don't know that might not hold up oh that's not um, that's not a i'm not going to die on that hill that's not a deal breaker the team is made up of six plus the leader um who's actually and literally named alpha because it's that kind of show uh, the leader uh, Alpha. This is an older, grizzled type. Hannibal Smith meets like Arnie, frankly, but American. Um, Alpha is on comms with home base, and we cut to like you know home base where it's one of those tactical things with TV screens and radars and pure eighty. Well, it's eighties, but it's late seventies, and it's like where we meet Captain Kirby. Um, he from Commando. Very nice. He is on the radio. Thank you. Uh, he's giving Alpha satellite intel and following their progress. You know, he's that type. Uh, the rest of the team are made up of large men in black or sandy camos wearing balaclavas or camo makeup. We don't see many faces immediately, but then we sort of get introduced to the people. From the other six, we have the second in command, whose features we don't see immediately, but he's a big dude. We also meet one of the team, a Lieutenant Bennett. Uh, he's young, dumb, and full of everything. Uh, a Captain Boomerang, crazy, wisecracking type who seems to be having the time of his life. All other team members are seen and mentioned. They cut wires and disable cameras and silently kill three or four sentries, and they infiltrate the compound. This is all like the first five minutes, just it's quite very tight, showing the team working together. But there is a rogue element, the second in command, who we keep seeing, he's being very headstrong a bit aggressive and not following the leader, Alpha's commands. Uh, he gives away the team's position after one mistake too many. And uh, now we see the baddie nasty men and the leader uh, nasty is a big ugly man. And he catches wind that the base is being raided by the commandos because of the stupid slip up. So he sounds the alarm. Uh, and because the second in command blew it and gave the team away, one of the group is killed, um, you know, uh, the Alpha, manages to secure the hostages 
but the second in command was supposed to deal with the bomb. And he enters the, the bomb room with the ticking clock and it's three minutes to detonation. And he's like, no problem. Uh, but then he's shot in the back and he's still alive, but he's fucked. And the big, ugly, nasty leader dude uh, of the nasty men, it comes in and he shot him in the back. Now he kicks him in the face and he pulls off the guy's balaclava. And, you know, maybe we were expecting it to be Arnie, but it's not. It's just some chump and he gets kicked again and he gets shot a lot and he dies. And the countdown is now two minutes and all is looking doomed. And then Bennett bursts in, all guns blazing. He kills a nasty man. And then he has a big fight involving knives and heads with the nasty, ugly leader. And the countdown is ticking and it's getting closer. And it's like, fight, tick, tick, fight, fight, tick, tick, tick. And Bennett is now losing the fight and he's getting his ass kicked a bit. And that makes him go nuts. And he kills the nasty, ugly leader man by just like utterly losing his shit. And any form of combat technique is out the window. And in an, in an Antipodean rage, um, caves the nasty leader's head in against the wall and then the floor and then through a window and then back out and then through a door. And he rushes to the bomb and he manages, of course, to defuse it with seconds to spare. Um, Bennett is just utterly crazy but he's surprisingly charismatic and he's totally saved the day. Uh, Alpha and the rest of the team kill the rest of the nasties and secure the compound. We cut back to base camp where Kirby is still orchestrating it all. And the mission would have been a total bust if not for Bennett. And we find out Bennett is now up for promotion to be second in command. Um, and we discover a little bit more about team leader, this Alpha. He's called Captain Marcus, but you know, I'm just going to keep calling him Alpha, probably. Uh, he's a slightly older, grizzled dude. And on the radio, he's speaking, and he speaks to Kirby. And um, as well as the possible promotion of Bennett, Kirby talks of the need, then, to restructure the group because of this near calamity. They need to rebuild. And Alpha acknowledges that the mission was almost a complete shit show. And Kirby's like, no kidding. And Alpha's like, so what now? And Kirby says, now we get fresh meat. And then we cut to the opening credits and it's commando, just commando, I don't care. And, and we meet now who we, who we know is it's John Matrix. It's Arnie, but he's not called John Matrix yet. There's no one's called Matrix. That's not a real name. But uh, we meet Arnie. Um, we learn at some point that he was born uh, Joseph Fritz Mayer, um, but changed it. Uh, and he's now just Joseph Maddox. And you know, we find this out here and there, you know, but it, it comes to life, it doesn't matter. He's in East German Special Forces. And we see him working for them on a firing range or completing some training course. Like a huge instructor is giving trainees shit. And he's like, the first man to land a punch gets the rest of the day off. And Arnie steps up and knocks the guy's teeth out. And he says, if landing a punch is the afternoon off, I think you owe me a two-week vacation. And he walks out. And after, after that's like his main intro. And uh, we cut back and forth then between his life, setting up Arnie's life, working for the East German Special Forces. And also uh, the, we cut back to the US with Captain Kirby and uh, the Alpha and all of this. Now, Arnie has a partner, and he's just like this massive dude as well, proper, like, that sort of German face. And he's like, yeah, and I mean that, anyway, that's fine. Massive fucking stone face. And Arnie and his partner were given a mission 
they are to obtain the blueprints to some important piece of Soviet tech, which the creator, uh, is, like this Russian scientist, has stolen it in mind to sell it to the highest bidder. He's doing a spy who loved me. So Arnie and his partner are ordered to obtain the tech and kill the scientist. Now this is told in parallel with Kirby and Alpha's team being told the same thing, that they need to obtain the tech and get the Soviet scientist and get his secrets. Um, and you know this could, this, they need to infiltrate somewhere, maybe it's in Russia, maybe it's you know, some horrible place, somewhere in the countryside, I think, you know, because like, we've already had like a German, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, like a big city moment. So now it's going to be in the you know, countryside, maybe Siberia or maybe just somewhere in the Kremlin. So told in parallel, Kirby and Marcus's team being told the same thing to obtain the tech, get the Soviet scientist, random location, maybe inside the Kremlin. East Germany obviously has an independent agenda, but he has to be East German because that's established in, in the film. Um, this is the meat of the plot then uh, in, for this pilot two teams, American and East German, one goal, they have to get this, uh, this blueprint. It's only a matter of time before the two teams collide. Uh, there's espionage, there's tension, there's some character building, and of course there's also some shooty, shooty, punchy, punchy. In the latter part, Arnie has the blueprints um, and he's had a run-in with the US squad at this point, including Alpha and Bennett, maybe even a little scuffle with Bennett, and Bennett, to, you know, later to Alpha is like, a, he's good, Sarge, or something. So in the climax, Arnie's partner is, you know, he's a nasty man, he's cold as fuck, and he shows detachment from everyone and is obviously totally loyal to his superiors, and he kills some innocent people. Uh, and when the blueprints are in reach of them all, the partner totally gets the drop on Bennett, um, and the partner, Arnie's partner, is totally going to shoot Bennett. Bennett is dead meat and he knows it, and here we have the twist. Arnie just turns around, shoots his partner in the head, and we discover that Arnie is trying to defect, and he's doing a Sean Connery in the Hunt for October. And more than that, he and Kirby have been in contact prior to all of this. There's like the, a mole somewhere in the US, and so Kirby has had to keep this from everyone, but Kirby has been his Alec Baldwin to his Sean Connery. So we learn that Kirby has been siring Arnie for some time, and was instrumental in the defection. So Arnie's partner, of course, is you know totally dead. Um, Arnie kills the partner, saving Bennett, and announces his intention to defect. Bennett has a moment where he is now pointing a gun at an unarmed Arnie, but then chooses to believe him and trust him because Bennett doesn't know any of this. It's had to be kept top, top, top secret. Arnie and Bennett, with the blueprints, and still with the still living Soviet scientist, make it across the border and back to the US team. Kirby reveals everything, and he was grooming Arnie from the start, he's been, uh, and he's been mentoring him from afar for some time. So he's always been mentoring Arnie, because in Commando, it's established that he's the mentor to Arnie, and it's like, yeah, it goes right back. Joseph Mueller is now John Matrix, second in command of the group. Kirby says, with your experience and intel, you're the perfect man for the job. Uh, Bennett, of oh, course, yeah. poor, though, Bennett, man. poor, poor Bennett. Bennett, he resents it, you know, and, and he's also like some instant promotion and he was up for it, of course. So there's now any sort of smoothed over stuff, which never really was smoothed over anyway, is now like, you know, there's tension between them. But Arnie's happy to be there. You know, I just want a chance to make things right. 
to help um, Alpha is actually a bit reserved about all this because he didn't know about it either. Um, and he, you know, he appears suspicious of Arnie. But, you know, he's also like, welcome aboard. And Kirby says, so let's get to work. And that's the episode one end, you know, pilot credits. Um, so that sets it all up. And so the rest of the season, in broader strokes, um, Bennett and Arnie start out at odds with resentment and so on. Bennett, you know, is like, whoever wanted a bloody kraut on the team? And Arnie's like, yeah, fuck foreigners, am I right? But over the season, they bond and they save each other's lives a lot. The basic layout of season one is we mainly have standalone episodes with different missions for the team in different countries, locations, and with different objectives. And, you know, this allows for some larger episodes and some, you know, tighter, more thriller-based episodes. Some recurring enemies are the Syrians, South Americans, and Russians, and terrorist groups, because that's mentioned in the film. Uh, they mention specifically, like, who could be coming after me? This could be anyone, John. You made a lot of enemies in the past, the Syrians, South Americans, Russians, or any number of terrorist groups. So they've all got to be in there somewhere. We have three main story arcs that develop throughout all of this. Uh, Arnie and Bennett and Kirby and Alpha and their four-way, the different relationships between the main players, the shifts, the strengths and the, you know, the things strengthen and grows in different ways. Arnie and Bennett grow as brothers. Kirby and Arnie grow as father and son. Arnie and Alpha grow from sort of like distant to begrudging respect. Uh, he's distant to Arnie a lot and apparently has deeper issues for not wanting Arnie on the team, but is overruled by Kirby. But Alpha grows to respect and even love Arnie. There's a running gag actually between Arnie and Alpha where they're constantly trying to outquip each other. And in fact, we learn really that it's kind of like the beginning of Last Crusade, Arnie's natural quipping that was always there, but it, you know, it really comes out because of the direct contact with this, you know, the friendly one man, one upmanship between the two of them. And so he gets this master quipping ability. And that's also the core of their bonding. In episode two, we also meet a, a recurring character um, on the army base, one of uh, Kirby's staff, in fact, Kirby's second in command, um, Amanda Dower. Uh, but she doesn't live up to her surname. She's a spirited intel gatherer who has an, interest, uh, an instant rapport with Arnie. Uh, she is seeing some dweeb from the army base, so maybe they're engaged, but they're certainly an item called Kurt Golding. He's like a lecturer, an academic type, and he's friendly but unremarkable. But he has some good humoured run-ins run with Arnie in the first half of the season. Because, um, of course, Arnie's massive. Like, I don't have any intentions to your girlfriend. Well, I should hope not. Uh, that sort of thing. But episode five, there's a twist. And Kurt turns out to be corrupt. He's a mole of some sort who is exposed by Arnie and is arrested. Amanda can't help but be resentful, blaming Arnie for this, but of course she knows it's hardly his fault. Uh, their relationship therefore continues to have spiky elements now between them, but also something is growing. Uh, and um, amid these setbacks, they get closer and closer. At some point, like episode seven or eight, she's in danger and he and her bond even more. They're both like in a life or death situation for that episode. She's not usually in the field, but in this case she is. And 
This, of course, brings them together and she makes peace with Arnie's involvement in her boyfriend's downfall. And by the end, of course, of the season, she and Arnie get together. Um, also throughout the season, we go into much more depth concerning Kirby, um, taking Arnie under his wing and training him. And Alpha, who is you know, distant to Arnie, but slowly begins to warn to him some more. Now, in episode 10, we have another twist, a massive twist. Alpha's a cunt. He was Kurt's handler, and, and he was who Kurt was always working for. Now, when you re-watch episode five with the reveal of Kurt's true motives, you now see with the hindsight that Alpha is constantly sabotaging or misleading Arnie to try and draw him off the scent. It's one of those cool performances where it's sort of ambiguous and you can read it one way, but then you watch it again, you go, oh, he was thinking about this. So Alpha is not working for a foreign country, but rather himself. Uh, we learn that in episode one, it was he who had set up the Russian scientist to supply the blueprints, but his plan was to kill the scientist and take the plans for himself. But he, of course, didn't know about Kirby and Arnie's plan. Arnie's involvement, of course, ruined all of this for him, which is why he was so against him joining the group. But by episode 10, he has developed a genuine sort of bond with Arnie, because they've been through a lot by this point. Also, I think in one season, it's like, you know, even like two years, you know, because it's not, you know, they don't have all their missions right next to each other. We don't see all their missions. So I think you know, even at least a year for one season, but I'm saying, you know, it can really be spread out. Um, when he, uh, when Alpha reveals his allegiances to himself and he fully actually expects Arnie, who is a traitor to his own people anyway, to join him, but no dice. Arnie's like, my loyalty is to justice, my allegiance to democracy. So by the end of the season, um, Alpha breaks off, he betrays the team, he betrays Kirby and America and Arnie. Um, Kirby promotes Arnie to be team leader with Bennett, his now number two, and Bennett and Arnie are much closer. They've been through some shit and they got together and it was them who helped sort of expose uh, Alpha. Uh, Arnie and Amanda, of course, they get together. Alpha is out there somewhere, the fallen mentor, reeking of resentment and vowing revenge, but still with conflicting feelings towards Arnie. It's obviously a lot of gay subject text. We haven't talked about all the gay subtext in Commando, and it is there, and it's, you know, it is, there's, 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 there's a oh, lot going yeah. on. I mean, there's the obvious stuff, but genuinely there's, there's, there's you know, between Kirby and Arnie as well, there's, a, there's sort of like a, a shoulder squeeze and some eye contact. You could say it's fatherly, but, you know, without being childish, there is, there's a lot there. But anyway, I didn't go, you know, I'm, I'm keeping this pure to the original. So it's all there, but, you know, it's, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> now, I, I have season two. Now, each season, I do have a few, but it gets, you know, diminishing. Each one is smaller and smaller and smaller. So if it's cool, I'll just jump straight in. Please, Shepi, please. So it's a, like it's a good six months later. Um, Matrix, of course, is the leader of the team, and he recruits several more members. Uh, this because a lot of them died in the previous one, and um, this includes both of the ex-teammates we meet at the start of the movie Commando. I don't know if you remember the beginning of Commando has um, two people die. The, the yes. guy shot to death with the uh, removal uh, the, the rubbish van. And the other guy is a car salesman. He gets driven through the window. Yeah. 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 Right. But Bill Duke. Yeah. Um, and, and then Bennett is on the boat and it blows up and 
but we find out, of course, that Benin had got off the boat, even though that edit is cheating, but no, it doesn't matter. But so I actually checked, I went on IMDb to find out what these two people were called. And it's really, it doesn't help. And I went to like so many things on the internet, trying to find like order of appearance in the cast list to find out what their names were, um, no dice. But um, so I literally watched my copy of Commando just to find this, I didn't watch the whole film, but I went to this moment where Kirby says, Bennett, and then these two other names. Um, and so I just, just, just because I needed to know the names, I, I, I needed them too. So it's Lawson and Forrestal, um, and they're, they're introduced here. And they're given a lot to do in season two. Um, they're really built up. Lawson has an eye for the ladies, and he's not the best of the best, but he gets the job done. That's because he's the first person we see in Commando, and he's in bed with some babe. So that's his characterization. Forrestal loves cards because, you know, card salesman. And he's a bit of a face man, meaning, you know, a team's face, you know, he's smooth and a charmer, you know, perfect for selling cars. Uh, Arnie's relationship is strong with Bennett. Uh, they are still very close. This is really the peak of their friendship, but obviously Bennett is a loose cannon and a live wire. And on several occasions goes off the deep end. Um, Arnie's relationship grows with Amanda into a full on love story. That's the other main focus of this season. They're deep for each other. Tension arises when Arnie has to lie to her about his missions because they're all hush-hush, and this leads to possible fracturing and problems. She also carries guilt because, of course, it was her boyfriend, Kurt, who betrayed them all. Uh, now, Kurt does come back for an episode. He's been, of course, in prison this whole time, but Arnie needs info from him and has to take him on a mission. Um, and, of course, he's betrayed by Kurt on this mission. Um, and all is extra complicated by Arnie's love for Amanda, which is played into. And at the end of the episode, Kurt escapes and Arnie has the chance to kill him, but he lets him go out of his love for Amanda. because you know, you know, they had someone together. So season two also introduces the man who will recur throughout the next couple of seasons. And this is Ab Arias, Arias. These the twat played by Dan Hedeo, Commander. Yeah. Um, so he's introduced, he's like this military scumbag who has massive Napoleon complex, and he's thwarted a couple of times. He's like a recurring villain a little bit, but he always manages to escape, of course. Uh, Alpha returns, of course, so he is the recurring threat. He is this season's big bad. Um, the episodes, again, are mainly standalone, but this season does have more of a connective tissue uh, between them. Um, <clears throat> Alpha, let's say, is in like six out of ten episodes, but he's not the main villain in every single episode. But by episode 10, it all reaches ahead. We have the final confrontation between Arnie and his old boss, Alpha, and they have a huge fist fight, and Arnie eventually emerges victorious, and Alpha is all bloody and fucked, but with a final effort, he gets up and he points a gun at Arnie, and he's like, what? No quip for me? Looks like I win twice then, because, you know, they hate to have quips together. And Arnie has counted the shots of Alpha's gun, and he knows it's empty, so it's like, click, and Arnie gets out his own gun, but he drops it. He goes, you're not worth a bullet, let alone a quip. And Arnie just, like, punches Alpha, uh, and he flies into a vat of melting tar, and he screams horribly and dies. And as he walks away, Arnie says, ta-ta. And then he says to himself, Damn it, I should have used that. Uh, and the end of the season, <laughs> it has some tension starting to show now, of course, between Arnie and Bennett. Um, also, in the very final scene, Arnie is back with Amanda. They're close. 
and Arnie says, will you marry me? And Amanda says, you bet I will. And Arnie said, you've made me so happy and no pressure. I know you American women love your long engagements. And Amanda says, oh, not too long, I hope. In fact, I was hoping for a deadline maybe sooner rather than later. And Arnie's like, what deadline? She's like, well, like before nine months. And Arnie's like, oh, shit. And that's the end of season two. <laughs> so we know we've got a bit of Milano on the way. Uh, broader strokes, broader strokes, season three. It's three years later. Arnie and Amanda are together. They're married. They're still very much in love. And they have Jenny, their daughter, who's now three. Um, the season again is spaced out, actually. So time-wise, by the end of season three, Jenny is at least five. Um, two main through lines. Amanda and Arnie are you know, drug, uh, trying to juggle work and home life. He's away from home a lot, of course, and that causes problems. The wife, uh, Amanda, has retired from active service and is happy. She actually does other things, but she doesn't want to be just alone raising the child. Arnie and Bennett, um, they start the season as close as ever, but over the course of the season, Bennett finally, you know, he's getting worse and worse, and he finally goes too far and does some really horrendous shit and is thrown out of the, uh, by, of the team by the end of the season. And he doesn't necessarily come back. Uh, we'll see. I have thoughts about that. He certainly doesn't have a direct conflict with Matrix again until the film. That's their first real mano a mano. And last, as it turns out, spoilers. Um, a new big bad emerges. Uh, maybe somebody totally standalone. Maybe Kirby's old mentor if you want to keep some sort of connected thing. But, you know, there's a lot of mentor shit going on. So it could just be a totally new big bad. Uh, we're mainly standalone episodes again, but again with connective tissue. The rest of the team has always been given time to be fleshed out. But, you know, some casualties along the way and fatalities along the way. And now we have the strongest of all teams. We've now got the classic John Matrix commanding team. And Bennett is out at the end of the season. Season four... Jenny, it's again, it's like a year or two later. Jenny is now seven or eight. Now, in the film, she's like 10, I'm saying. Does that sound right to you, Jimmy? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah. So let's say she's 10. Whatever, you know, um, so, so she's like seven or eight here. She has like this feisty personality and a huge bond with her father. Um, and, you know, she has presence within all the story. Now She's really a character in her own right. Uh, some standalone missions, but also the return of Bennett to some capacity. He's not like an out and out baddie, like I said, but he has gone rogue and he works for himself. And apparently he, he's not doing anything too deplorable, though. So, you know, he, he's like, you know, to Arnie, nothing wrong with the private sector, John. And Arnie's like, just stay the hell out of my way. So we see him a few times, but, you know, he is still unhinged and stuff. And their relationship degrades further. By the end, um, he pops up. Now, this, this is, I don't know, maybe or maybe not, because this might be too much. But um, Arnie sees he's irredeemable. Uh, he's, not the being, he's not the big bad, but he's done some really out of control shit. And so Arnie leaves him for dead in a desert outside Iraq. But that might be too much in terms of their relationship together, because the next time we see it, it, it is Commander. So we'll leave that. It might just be an argument and a, maybe a fight and a missed kiss and like outside a bar or something. We'll see. But uh, season four also has the return of Kurt, the mole, an ex-boyfriend or fiancé of Amanda. He is selling sec uh, state secrets again, of course, 
and Arnie stops him. Uh, Kurt vows revenge, you know, escaping but had been thwarted. Uh, after a season of tension and conflict, with Jenny always devastated when Arnie leaves for a mission, you know, Amanda's like, it's not fair on her, John. It's torture for me, but I knew what you were when I married you. But Jenny didn't agree to this. You're torturing her too, John. It's not what I want. So in the latter part of the season, Arnie says, you know, to Bennett, uh, to, to Kirby, he's like, this was the last time. And he's, he quits. Um, to, so he's going to be a full-time dad. But Kirby comes to see him. He's like, I need you one more time, John. And he, so uh, Matrix is talked into doing one more mission. And he goes out. And it's the penultimate episode of season four. But it seems to be the climax. It's a real season four of Buffy. Arnie breaks his word to Amanda and allows Kirby to talk him into going after the big bad. In an epic finale, with the whole team being at the top of their game, Arnie kills the big bad by flying a plane into his mansion. When Kirby hears this, he's flabbergasted. Arnie's like, what? It was a large house. And the second in command is like, it was a large plane. As Arnie leaves the wreckage, uh, he says, serves him right for building a house in the middle of a runway. And the second in command's like, this is not a runway. He's like, it's not. Uh, but at the end of the episode, <laughs> after the big bad is done away with, Amanda and Arnie finally have it out. She's furious with him because he lied to her about one more mission. Very heated. They both say some things. Amanda's like, there'll always be one more mission, John. And she snatches Arnie's car keys and she, and she storms out in a rage. And Arnie tries to stop her, but also Jenny's crying. He's like, don't worry. And he's, you know, he's trying to comfort Jenny. Amanda gets into the car as Arnie chases her outside. And their eyes lock and she turns the key and the car explodes. And it was Kurt. And Arnie was the target. And now you've got Arnie with all this guilt because he let Kurt go. And so then you've got the penultimate. That Those are the end credits with the car explosion. He's like, no, uh, you're pure Arnie. Now then the final episode of season four is this hour-long special. And Arnie goes rogue and he tracks down Kurt and he kills the shit out of him, as well as like destroying the network of independent intelligence operatives whom he works for. And this is the group who have popped up repeatedly from the beginning as like a shadowy load of clandestine twats. And after the extremely brutal and bloody end of Kurt, who let's not forget was in no way any physical threat. He's like this dreamy guy to Arnie. You know, he just rips him literally apart. And Arnie now sees himself, you know, in a rage. He sees in himself a rage and a violence that scares and sickens him. And he returns home and tells Kirby that he's disbanding the team and they're all going to get new identities. And Kirby's like, three words, John, you'll be back. And Arnie's like, two words, General, I quit. And that's the credits of season four. And then it's Commando. And it's set like a year later and it's Commando. Um, and then I've got like these sort of like extra seasons after Commando, like a sequel to Commando, where like Arnie and Jenny team up, and but it's a different showrunner and it's really shit. And it runs for like a few more seasons. And it's like, you know, Jenny's like 18 and she's been taken in by Kirby. He's like, and you know, you've got the skills in your blood. And she's like, suck it, Kirby. But they, and then like, it's kind of like a true lies, but father and daughter season, but it is shit. And the studio slashed the budget. 
And then there's another season, which is even cheaper. And Arnie's only in it as a cameo, like in the first episode, and he pops up once or twice and maybe at the very end. But it's all about Jenny, and that's a massive flop. And then maybe even the show was cancelled halfway through that season, and that's the end of the Commando run. <laughs> Sheppy. Flipping heck. Look, I love all of that. Love it all. I've got three things to say, two silly, and then one big one so i <laughs> what you've been a master of accents the whole time we've done this pod <laughs> your bennett is going to be very handy i might need you as a consultant to come in and call mechanics over here for me down under so i don't get ripped off that'd be really handy um, thanks man and then uh, <laughs> thank you for keeping the title simple as well because it's going to make you know for, for those nice. out there in Podland who are listening we do put a bit of effort into our website so you know check out the website if you want to but yeah. right we always try and make our titles match the originals so <laughs> You'd make yeah, it nice the and font. easy for me there, man. It's really, um, it's Jimmy weaving his magic, and it's impressive to see. So yes, yes, <laughs> but, um, but man, what? So I did, I did a bit of research for mine, Sheppy, and it rightly or wrongly, this could all just be fan wank stuff. But um, and I had read somewhere that um, Mrs. Matrix had died of cancer, and that's why he left. Oh. Um, but I much prefer your way of going. It's well, meaty as sense. f. I love it. I love it. It's so cool. And, um, nice. And yeah, he I let mean, him live, the- and then it came back to bite him. Is wonderful. It's just oh, it's just Shakespearean. Shakespearean. <laughs> I've got some taglines, and Please. because it's a season, I've indulged even more than usual. So there's a few. Some of them are really bad. Uh, taglines: guns blazing, fists flying, world saving. Then another one: meat squad. Uh, another one, a world of secrets, a profession of violence. Another one, when you fight for these stakes, you need to use both fists. Doesn't make sense. Very strange, but I like that. Another one, more than the usual job, more than the normal man. Yeah, this one's good, but I don't know. Guns, bombs, the fate of the world, just another day at the office. Um, nice. And then, and this is written like in like the, the key words, which you'll know. Uh, are in bold here so it's like somewhere there's danger somehow there's hope someone will make a difference and and then the final one hold tight think fast shoot first which sounds like a diehard three type thing but anyway those are the uh, the tags oh and i also thought that the, you know you could have the film but in a weird alternative universe you then either have a remake of the film of commando or the film never existed and like season five is like a 10 episode version of commando where obviously it's fleshed out but he meets Dong chong again and it's the same it's like it's like 24 it's like season one of 24 with with uh, kim being kidnapped with kim and so it's it's that um but it's like and it's real time because you know in commando he sets his watch for 11 hours so he has 11 hours before the plane arrives and that's nice 24 style so it's pure so you could do like 10 episodes because it doesn't have to be slavish to it but also then just like yeah the finale you could be even told the plane journey is eight hours with the first episode and then it's like he's got eight hours and so then the last episode the plane has landed and it's him arriving at the compound and that you know so that writes itself so yeah you could have that as the next season and not the film nice Sheppy. i'm all over it Brilliant. It's brilliant conception, man. I love it. <laughs> I've gone down a totally, it's not measurable. 
(laughs) well it is probably there's something to be said around this being a bit of a standalone but i i it's it's yeah man that's brilliant 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 i love it well i can't wait to hear it i'm also very interested about the title uh, which direction you went yeah well i I actually put it in a message to you sheppy but i don't think you picked up which is good so the title is commando delta force so um i don't think i even focused on that (laughs) (laughs) commando delta force is perfect there's a colon in there of course you know but um but yeah because that that essentially referencing the team i've gone with i've lent into the team quite a bit sheps and um and and it's got a bit of a predatory vibe actually almost if anything this in a way but i just wondered as well (laughs) um one thing that hasn't aged brilliantly for the movie is that Commando really in the lexicon has a very different <laughs> sort of connotation, you know. I'm sure Arnie will box the shorts, but who's to know? Who's to know, Shaggy? Um, but, um, but yeah. Um, so, right. Um, I'll give you my cast. And, and just spoiler alert on the cast, I haven't really been able to do justice to what this could have been in terms of an expendable sort of predatory mm. type scenario. So maybe we'll revisit this one day, Sheppy. I'd love to, we might do something really indulgent. We may, when you hear this cast, you may be really game to do standing on the shoulder of Jimmy rather than a giant. If you don't be put the Oh, I love go. it. Um, so we've got Arnie back, obviously, as you said before, John Matrix, he's in. We've got Vernon Wells back as Bennett. Um, again, like, you know, just looking the part still. I just said, I put here a bit like your Matrix thing. I've put Bennett. Is that his first name or his last name? And I wondered whether his foot, like, if it was his last name, he might be called Gordon and he might have had a stint on Blue Peter as well. But that's another, that's for another story. Crikey. Um, I've got your man. I mean, he's not really a major character, but you know, I've gone, um, I've gone with uh, with with your man James Olsen as your Colonel Kirby. Um, I've put him as Colonel. Didn't didn't have his captain on this one, but I did demote him a little bit. And um, season one only for some reason. Actually, didn't do anything with this. I realized doesn't matter. Anyway, the team broadly with John is um, is is Mister T. Oh as, wow! Uh, as Tino, this is the Delta Force team, basically, Sheppy. Absolutely. Yes. So in my universe, I should qualify. Commando is out. It's happened. The movie's freaking huge. And they're like, <laughs> let's do a prequel of Delta Force. Everyone wants to see that. And everyone wants in. <laughs> so uh, we got Mr. T in the team. And you you, you sprinkled it in as well, like a, um, the A-team, right? And uh, I, I, you said it at one point, like, and this has yeah. got an A-team feel to it, definitely. So um, the... Um, so we've got Mr. T, John C. McGinley, a young John C. McGinley is sort of the, the newest recruit to Delta Force. And I've just called him Cox. It's not very original because he's Dr. Cox in Scrubs. Right. And then even less not original, even less original, <laughs> we've got Lou Ferrigno as Green. Oh, wow. Wow, you weren't messing around. <laughs> and uh, I just thought we really want to see Arnie and, more, and him with more than pumping iron, right? I think it'd be really nice. Anyway, but... Um, yeah. And then I've got for further down the line, and actually season three I've gone for, so I haven't really done too much with it, but I've I've put um, Linda Hamilton in because I thought she's oh, nice. like, uh, it'd be quite funny to see the Terminator and uh, Sarah Connor hook up. And also um, the uh, she's Beauty and the Beast, wasn't she, at that sort of time by then probably. Yeah. So, yeah, why yeah. not? She's a TV star. Um, so that's season three. Sarah Matrix will come in as season three. So in I this just, universe, does the Terminator movie exist? Is it like <laughs> the people watching this show? Are they like, oh, that's nice? Or are they like, oh, that works together? 
I like to think uh, it, it exists. John Matrix watches The Terminator with uh, with Sylvester Stallone in it. <laughs> um, but, but I meant I meant when Arnie and Linda Hamilton are making, they're literally filming this TV show. Have they already worked? Oh, so I see you mean. Yeah, man, definitely, definitely. Right. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's it a is Gene Wilder Richard Pryor maneuver. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That it's it's give the fans something fun. Um, <laughs> so I just put I did a bit of googling, like I said before. So I I put here just a few little sprinkles, which you've obviously already picked out. But like, just you know, he was East Germany. Obviously, somehow came to the US, and I love the way you did it with the defection. And um, we know he joined Delta Force at some point. We know from Commando he deposed Arius at some point from Valverde. And we know that that president trusts him so implicitly that that's the whole sting in the operation of commando. So, um, <laughs> I, um, <laughs> so anyway, yeah. pilot episode of this. Valverde, by the way, um, is also from Die, Die Hard 2. It's where yeah, the president it doesn't even exist. <laughs> no, no. It's, so it means that John McClane and John Matrix do exist in the same universe. It's commando first. I love that. And let's not forget, by the way, that Commando was going to have a sequel and it was going to be a version of Die Hard before Die Hard. It was going to be Die Hard of John Matrix and Jenny. That would have been cool. I think that would work as well. I would watch still... it. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't want to sacrifice the best action film ever made for it, but I would like to see it in a sliders machine. Yeah, yeah definitely. He's got, so, like you said before, he's got such a target on his back, John. You know, I, I can yeah. imagine there's a few enemies. I really only focused on um, on your man Arius and, and Valverde and gone too much for the jugular in the in the pilot, probably. But anyway, um, that that the pilot's called the Blockade Runner, Sheppy. So it's got a title. It's like a little, a bit like you said as well. Um, you know that that kind of extended movie pilot, and then we get into season one itself. And I've given the structure of the seasons here. Well, I'd, I'll do that now as a little tease. So season one is going to be a pilot with fourteen episodes, so it's pilot plus thirteen. Season two is then full stride, twenty four episodes, and then season three is cancelled after six. <laughs> and I'll tell you what happens there. <laughs> but, but then, uh, so the the pilot episode is called the Blockade Runner. Um, and we actually start in East Germany, and let's say it's 1960, for sake of argument. I don't know. I haven't. I haven't read on the maps now, but let's just say you know you're deep into nice. Cold War territory. We're it, we're in rural East Germany as a young boy. Um, you know, this is a classy affair. This Sheppy, totally out of, uh, totally not consistent with the movie. We've got subtitles, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's a, oh, a young nice. boy um, working with his dad on the farm. Um, struggling to gather twigs, the young John Matrix here, you know, it's a sort of a nice little callback to him carrying a tree and Commando like, you know I mean? like, he's, he's a total whip. Yeah, right. He's, yeah, yeah, I love it. It's a little <laughs> universe. Um, and there's just this little sort of, uh, the place itself looks a lot like the farm he's on with Jenny. So that adds a little bit of peace to like what he ended up finding with his daughter. Um, but then, um, you know, he's with his dad and um, and the mum calls out to them and there's that little sprinkling, you know, when you get that little sense of impending danger and all that sort of thing. And the mum's yeah. like, it's time, we must go. And then his dad's like, you know, we've got to go. No time to go to things, we must go. And so they just they just um, leave the house, you know, and he's got to leave everything behind, maybe even the dog or something horrible. Oh, but, no. You know, and, um, anyway, they, he's driving away and then we go 20 years later and then we're straight in, Sheppy. I loved all your, your origins of him getting in. There's none of that here. 
<laughs> Arnie and his team of six, um, which is obviously our men with a couple of red shirts um, and mm. um, are dropped into Valverde. This is 20 years later. Um, it's almost predator style. We've, all, we've got Bennett in the squad. Um, they're bros totally working together. Um, he is the live wire that you've said as well, um, but they, they are absolutely buddies in this. We straight into a bit of a stealth through a jungle. They find an aid vehicle. The vehicle has been ransacked. There's a couple of bloody bodies. So I've totally gone with an 18 TV show as oh, well, like stuff. you did too. Um, bloody <laughs> bodies still behind the wheel. Um, they um, And then further up in the jungle, um, so this is all like I'm skipping really, you know, so they do a bit of investigation of the thing. And then and then further up in the jungle, they find a group of uh, characters sitting around a, a campfire. Um, they're, they're making themselves something on the campfire, which is really only there for a future gag. Um, and, then, <laughs> <laughs> and then basically, of course, um, they, they set they, they trigger something and, and a gunfight ensues. And um, but and, and they the whole team in this one do make it out alive. But a couple of things happened. Um, so we've got two two Arnie deaths here. I loved all your Arnie stuff and the lies and the deaths. But um, so Arnie runs out of bullets at one point and tears a sort of a medium sized tree, let's say, out <laughs> from the ground and impales a dude on it. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and then basically this guy's like dying and uh, he goes, "You you don't get it, you don't get it." But that oh God, he just says, "I just twigged." <laughs> anyway. It's just <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then he's still fighting. I mean, God knows what's happening. He's getting all the action. You know, the rest of the team are skipping and hopping maybe around the campfire. <laughs> but he's doing all the cool stuff. And um, yeah. and he basically, um, he maims the final guy of the um, thing. that doesn't kill him, but just um, smashes his head into the hot pan of the breakfast on the campfire. Um, and then, um, <laughs> actually, yeah, that's it. And then... Uh, <laughs> And then, and he's sitting there, like you know, burnt and everything, and a bit like a bit dazed, and he's got like a bit of bait, you know, a bit of <laughs> breakfast on his face. <laughs> and, um, and then Bennett is, goes after him, like with his knife, you know, crazy eyes, whatever. And then, uh, and yeah. I was like, no, Bennett, we should. <laughs> We should save his bacon. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, and um, Bennett, you know, he's he's dressed a little campily, actually, same uniform, but he's just done his own little touches. You know, maybe sure. he's got some eyeshadow or something. You know, something. But, um, um, sprinkle of Freddie Mercury goes on still. And um, yeah. but but the point is, you know, Bennett really wants to get into him. And um, maybe cut his eyeballs out with the knife or whatever. He's but got egg point, on his face. <laughs> that's a bloody good one i like that and then then, um but the point is of course you know they need some intel and so they've got to interrogate this guy and this guy gives them a little bit of intel on arius's fortress which is said to be impenetrable um now um (laughs) uh, we we basically um at one point as well, like when Arnie's dressed down, let's say exactly like you had, but I love the dynamic, by the way. I do have sympathy for Bennett in your switcheroo, but um, that's just, you know, the dynamic is just established. Arnie is sort of in charge of the unit here. And um, and 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 he gives Bennett a bit of a dressing down and he's like, I just want a little some steam, John. I just want a little some steam, you know? And, um, and so basically that is a bit of his catchphrase which then adds this huge pathos to the end when he's gone on too much on some (laughs) hostage or something you know like it's just you know just letting him some steam (laughs) anyway turns it around on him what a twist 
Yeah, unbelievable. Pathos, the pathos of the Eddie Carmano. I'm <laughs> getting steamed again, John. I'm getting him. Just go and walk it off. Um, <laughs> so then at this point, we cut. So they're off then to try and look at the fortress or whatever. And they, then we cut back to Berlin. We cut back to the escape of young John Matrix. And I did a bit of just geeky history stuff here, Shep. Being like, only about 800 people per year managed to get across the wall in Germany. Did you know that? I didn't bloody know that. And um, and so, um, and then, and like this, all this shit that I hadn't, I mean, I went to Berlin and I went on a walking tour. I just totally bloody forgot all this stuff. But anyway, there's like landmines and all sorts in the middle. And, um, and there's one mass escape occurred when, um, Apparently, in 1964, 14 East Germans, including 11 kids, were smuggled across the border in a refrigerated truck. They were able to escape detection by being concealed under the carcasses of slaughtered and stuffed pigs. Wow. Anyway, so I think there's going to be this whole, I'm not going to go into the nuts and bolts of it, but a whole thing where he tries to get across like a more conventional way. Maybe his dad gets taken by a landmine um, and maybe his mom gets taken out by a sniper or something. The the orphan matrix manages to get in maybe in a similar capacity, you know, under some pig carcasses and across the border into America where he assumes John matrix and grows into the Oak that is Arnie. And that is kind of over we're only going to get a couple of smatterings of this. Like it just starts the pin and then it will be better call Saul style. We might get like five minutes at the beginning of each app or something of the first season. Nice. So it's, quite, it's quite a classy way to do it for the 80s. Oh, it yeah, matter. definitely. Um, I'll bring then, it on. <laughs> anyway, so that's kind of a little, there'll be a little extra sprinkle midway through this um, pilot episode. Um, and then, and then, as I say, through us to the first season. Um, now we've got this hostage. Obviously, he's coming with them to the fortress. We're back in the jungle, um, and they're taking shifts, looking after him. During Bennett's shift, um, the hostage manages to convince him to take a leak. Um, there's a scuffle. Bennett gets actually slightly overpowered, um, and they're only a few um, yards from the camp. And the hostage takes a flare from one of Bennett's clips somewhere beneath his binoculars um, and um, lets the flare off and runs into the jungle. Big chase. They get to a clearing and Bennett's like, no one's coming for you, mate. And then the guy says, the flare wasn't for me. And then basically, in like a, I thought like living daylight style, the ground moves. And, um, and actually, there's all of these characters. This guy knew where to run to. And he's right. run to exactly the right spot. And, uh, <laughs> and and Bennett gets captured, and um, and and then actually, of course, the uh, the flare wasn't for that area. They know exactly where to go, but the flare was for Arnie's camp to show them where they where they all were sleeping. Um, Arnie's awake, obviously, because you don't just let a flare off and expect old uh, old Matrix to sleep through it. He's looking for Bennett with his crew. They're not making a sound. They're just looking around, you know, doing really cool, stealthy moves. Um, and then um, I'm thinking like a total red shirt. Arnie sees him, um, you know, maybe as they're scoping out the area um, from about maybe 10 metres, does a little pss, pss, goes over to him. Um, but the guy's actually got a knife in the gut falls over he's been propped up by a tree or something um and um and basically you know there's a there's another scuffle with whoever these guys are but they managed to overpower them i haven't got many more cool deaths here but i have got a few silly ideas for later in the show um, for later <laughs> via but mr tiani john c Riley, they make it out they info and and lou frigno they make it out they infiltrate the <laughs> I want to see this so much. oh my god <laughs> oh, they make i it forgot out, the frigno was in it <laughs> 
because I can actually <laughs> write it there. I had to be very late. Um, and, uh, they make it out. They infiltrate the fortress. They get Bennett back. They just they depose Arius at this point. Of course, he makes it out alive, but essentially they mm. take him down. But this is not before Bennett has been courted by Arius. So while he's been there, it's been Bondian, and he's had some lovely meals maybe with Arius as well while he's been a hostage. And um, and he's been courted by the man and nearly turned before the platoon arrived. So we're not even, you know, the platoon will never know that happened. But, you know, he and Arius and Bennett had a little bit of a connection, maybe even a little bit more than a connection. Uh... Who knows, Shepard? Um, but Bennett also says to him, like, you know, if if you, you should really uh, be thinking ahead, mate, because we're coming for you, you know, and if you lose, you should think about polluting the water so you can blame it on the next guy if he comes in sort of thing. And that's a thread that then comes in. And the idea will be that our Sarah will actually be an aid worker. This is our Linda Hamilton um, in the area that Arnie then meets, but that's how she gets her cancer will be actually through like what the the long game that um, President Arias is working for, because we'll be returning to Valverde um, over the years, basically. So um, the um, so the the, the depo- deposition, our new president is in the one that trusts Sonny so much. This is the end of the pilot. Um, he wants to help them, um, but no one can know where they were. They, they were here, so they're going to make their way back to America themselves through the jungle. Now, it's a seasoned pilot, right? It'd be quite fun if, like, the next one, 18 stars, was just a totally different adventure. We don't even know how they get back to America. They're just so bloody hard as nails. They're, like, in bloody Mexico the next week. You know what I mean? Um, but actually, I think we'll go with the rest of the season is them going through the jungle. Maybe they meet Sarah for the first time in season one, changing it from season three, just a little, you know, and, of course, right. a little bit of banter with they help some villagers as they go, you know, um, various residual areas factions. And within three episodes, they're out and onto new adventures. Do you know what I mean? But they, they, they do yeah. A-team style, helping people as they go. And That's nice. At one point in one village, Arnie kills a gang leader by ripping a church bell off and crushing him <laughs> with it. <laughs> and, um, and, and saying something like, you know, uh, I don't know. With bells on, I thought it was rubbish. I didn't even think oh, 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 the bell tolls. <laughs> Boom, the bell Does tolls. This ring a bell. <laughs> <laughs> Let um, me chime in. <laughs> so this is, and then I'm wrapping up actually a bit here, Chef, because I've then just got some few little sprinkles for you. So pilot of season one is, uh, you know, said 14 apps. Season two really in the stride. We actually, instead of going back to Berlin, because we kind of cro- closed that bit out, we go into the early training years where they all meet, oh. you know, first on Delta Force and the gang gets together. And, and, and maybe the conclusion of that is, is McGinley joining the team and going through some of the same initiations they did. But sprinkled through the adventures, you know what I mean? And uh, as flashbacks, season uh, three, he meets the wife. It's all going great. We don't even get a cough. Like, you know, it's really <laughs> cut off when it's prime. Like, poor old yeah. poor old Commando Delta Force. And um, Bennett is actually brilliant. Like, they're getting brilliant. <laughs> we don't even get the closure on that. We just know what happens. Um, and look, I just put, I put like, what other um, silly line in? I thought, well, I did wonder whether we might have a chance to do our knocking a spy over a waterfall with a lilo and just with a oh, next time huge. lilo like we made up when we were kids that um, was you man it's all you you deserve <laughs> all the credit for the lilo kill cam <laughs> um, so, uh, and then but i was wondering as well maybe with a deep in the jungle anani um ties a, a guy around a tree with a python or something it says hang tight or something stupid like that. <laughs> um and then I just put some other, um, just some character arcs for us, just that Arnie um, is really only going to go, 
he's going to go from hard man to softy, like you know, of course, because he meets um, Sarah. Um, yeah. Bennett is really the uh, the live wire. Obviously, um, he, he does do a lot of saving, as you had as well. Um, and I think actually he should be maybe. I mean, the eighties weren't ready for this, but maybe Boy George style. Maybe he could lean into being actually. No, he is. He's just gay. Yeah. It's fine. Doesn't matter. Um, I love that McGinley, even young McGinley, is taking it very, very seriously. Um, mm. And uh, and he's really shouty and that sort of thing. And then maybe I was thinking midpoint of season two, he just leaves the show inexplicably <laughs> and just stays in one of the villages and starts a family. Like, you know what I mean? It's just one of those. <laughs> I can really see him going from being very shouty to very smiley in about one minute. Um, Amazing. And then, um, I thought it'd be good if Mr. T was the bomb expert. Mm. And um, and that he and Frigno are the pals. They're pals. It's not like tension, like with Murdoch or anything. Right. And they're always. And one of their recurring little things is they bet on everything, <laughs> like you know what's going to happen next, or that sort of thing. Yeah. And Lou Frigno always wins. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I thought it would be quite cool if Lou was like the uh, the tracker, really good at. Um, you know, obviously the extra muscle, but also really good at tracking and telling him where people are and, you know, all that sort of stuff, following trails and that sort of thing. And then maybe the plan might be for him to die heroically at the end of season three to save oh. money on something nice, you know. So. But, um, yeah. but that's it, Sheppy. That's Commando Delta Force for you. I'd love that's to see great. those guys working together. Um, yeah. But, um, but yeah. Yeah, and you're really leaning in because it has been said, of course, you know, and it, it crosses everyone's mind once or twice. Like, could Predator be, you know, could it be John Matrix, not Dutch, and and all that? And could Bill Duke have twin? Well, you know, have a twin and all that sort of thing. Um, but I've got, I actually like Dutch, and he looks strangely, he looks different to Matrix. It's you know, but. The team dynamic works really well with like exactly like you're describing here, like the 18 thing, but going with the expendables maneuver of having these people is amazing and genius. Um, I'm loving it. <laughs> it's a lot of fun, Sheppy. It's a great one to oh, suggest. Gosh. I love how both of our our versions were like got shitter and shitter and then were cancelled <laughs> really indignantly. <But> such <laughs> a like, you know, and everyone, it's like Star Trek season three. Everyone's like, oh, oh, do you remember season five? <laughs> it's like, yeah, it goes really off the rails. So that that really appeals to both of us, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Right, I, I love, love it. it. Well, thanks for suggesting it, Sheppy. It was a lot of fun, that one. Nice. And, uh, I should say that Gordon Bennett was in Heartbeat, not Blue Pre Peter. And I have to say that because people will write in. It's, it's, it's I easy can't believe say. that. I was thinking no, no, of Tony no. Hart as I wrote Heartbeat. Yeah, Why was, did I do that? His Heartbeat was Nick Berry, wasn't it? No, no. That Well, Heartbeat, yes. But um, the one with Tony Hart, yes. But you said Blue it, yeah. Peter which was not, yes, but the yeah, heartbeat nice. was with Nick Berry, but I believe it was also with Tony Hart with Gordon Bennett. Nice. Yes. Not to be used um, with Art Attack with Neil Buchanan, because that, you know, that was the next decade. <laughs> <laughs> it was right with Rolf's Cartoon Club, innit? Oh, God. Oh god, we're we'll talking about Aussies, dodgy Aussies. That's just well, that's just uh, the yeah. Um 
Well, Chevy, <laughs> how do we say the plot from here? <laughs> well, no, there's no, once you reach Rolf Harris, there's no going back. We just segue immediately into Crocodile Dundee 3, our version. <laughs> and then that's all you can do. We'll just go for another hour. <laughs> Which I'm gonna, I don't think we'll ever do, will we? Let's be honest. On here, like, will we? I don't know. We'll see how long we go and how desperate we get. I mean, you know, anything's possible. Let's we'll just, just wait and see. We'll just in week. case, Sheppy. Just in case we we ever don't. And just in case I decide to, we decide to keep this bit in. Like, we should tell people that that might be the very original Shoulders of Giants, where we exchanged emails for a Crocodile Dundee 3 with Rolf Harris, assuming the Sean Connery role of Dundee's father. Fucking amazing. I mean, because obviously, as we've gone into, we had the Jaws sequels in the playground and Beverly Hills Cop, and we also had Predator and weird things like that as well. But... Um, in terms of the Crocodile Dundee 3, we were both a bit older and we were both working. And we and speaking for myself, I was working in London and I was just on the computer writing to you and we were constructing scenes of like Rob Paris saying penitent man, penitent, penitent, and, and stuff like that. So yeah, that was, you know, there were many sort of beginnings of Shoulders of Giants, but that was when things got serious. That was, yeah, that was structure. Things got structured. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Amazing, genius, yeah. Um, well, I don't even know what it was. This was before Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles existed as well. Yeah, it came and um, it's a real Ghostbusters Afterlife or uh, Flight of the Navigator TV show. It's stuff that we've recorded before we've seen that someone else has also done their version, which has actually been made. <laughs> so but this is I'm good now, Sheppy. We'll have timestamps on these and we'll yeah. be able to say we we was there It's first. good that we're not influenced by them at least, you know, because mm. um, there will be detachment involved a lot of the time. You have to, you know, remove yourself from sequels that, that exist. But in case like, uh, yeah, Although that's not a problem with Commando. <laughs> yeah. But again, almost a sequel, almost. And also the um, the Die Hard book, which was um, Roderick Thorpe, I believe, which you read, I believe. Was yeah, also Nothing Lasts Forever, made, yeah. Right, Nothing Lasts Forever. It was going to be made into a film with Frank Sinatra at one point. Well, it, the same character from, the, from Nothing Lasts Forever was in another book, and that book was adapted into a film with Frank Sinatra as Joe What's-His-Face, who was then turned into John McClane. And the sequel to Commando that was going to be a version of the Die Hard script with Stephen E. Stauser, Jenny's working for Nakatomi or whoever, and Arnie is working security in this skyscraper, and he's hired all these ex-mercenaries to work on the security team, and they all turn out to be baddies working for someone else. And so the Die Hard film is Arnie stuck in this you know, um, Die Hard building and he's killing all of the team that he trained. And that was going to be Die Hard for a while. That's an awesome, awesome plot. There's enough nuance to that to be different, actually. And just... Yeah, I like both versions for sure. And I love that you could have a lot of fun with he trained them, so they know all his moves. Yeah. Right, yeah, and he's the older guy. You're getting old, John. It's like he's like twenty. They're all Aussies. <laughs> yeah, they're all Aussies. Amazing. Yeah, um, genius. So that's lovely. Uh, that was, well, Jim, if is that first of all, love yours, wonderful, wicked, and again, the team. Oh my God, Frigno and Mister T. Yes, please. So that's genius. Um, was there anything else you wanted to talk? Just mention about Commando. No, I'm good, Sheps. I'm good. Are you, are you ready 
for I'm the... ready, Jimbo. Okay, I've got something for you that I'm actually, uh, I'm excited actually for this. I don't know if excited is the right thing, but I think we'll have a lot of fun. And <laughs> will you indulge me on this and let me give you a, a you, it's, it's a pitch, but it's also then just a little sprinkle as well with the pitch. So it is basically, oh, Sheppy, um, I would like a um, a sequel to, oh God, I don't actually know when it came out, but I'd like the, the, the third part in the three men in it, um, oh. Ted Danson, Gutenberg and Selick. Three men and a baby, three men and a little lady. I want the third one. It can be right. whatever you want it to be, but right. that cast, I mean, you know, those three right. men. And then I'd really like as my extra sprinkle, just for you to recast a 21st century remake as well. Like just as a little throwaway. Okay. I'd love, to, I'd love nice. you to sort of just let me know who you'd like to be in a yeah in a 21st century uh, 21st century remake. Nice. Well, I'm loving it right now and I can tell you right now I don't know because yeah obviously three men and a teenager would be you know is for natural progression of fuck who knows I'll give it some thought I'm very excited tagline um three dudes massive erections not guarantee uh because yeah, a little <laughs> call back to Fiona Shaw <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> three pricks and a massive erection uh yeah that's amazing <laughs> Oh, oh, I'm very excited, Jim. Very, very excited. I'm loving it. Uh, wonderful. Bring it on. Nice ships. Brilliant. Well, uh, yeah, man. Look, I uh, I guess I better take my dog for a walk, as sad as that sounds. Yeah, fair play, man. Do it. Uh, so we just need, I guess, it leaves us with a, a sign-off of some description. Any uh, Anything come to mind to see us out? You know how I promised you that I'd let you do the sign-off this week? Oh. I lied. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, the anticipation was delicious. <laughs> <laughs> We'd love to hear from you. Please reach out to us at shoulderspod.com or shoulderspod at Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. 